This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate your watching today. We appreciate those of you who may be watching today for the very first time. We're delighted to have you watch our telecast. And also, there's some of you that tell me that you watch every time we come on there. I was preaching in a revival in Tennessee recently, and I had a woman tell me, Brother Lambert, I get up 3.30 in the morning to watch you when you're on the air. I had a woman in North Carolina tell me that her little dog would wake her up early in the morning so she could watch it not only at night, but when we come on early in the morning. So we appreciate those of you who are so interested in the Word of God. Thank you. Thank you so much. It encourages us to continue to preach the gospel uh, on this telecast. Now, today we have a question that we want to raise. And in the process of our study today, we hope to answer this question from a biblical perspective. The question is this, are children born sinners? Are children born sinners? I hope that you'll stay tuned as we discuss this question. Now today on our telecast, we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course, and I emphasize uh, that it's free. And in spite of the fact that we tell people that it's free, we still have, ask, have people to ask us, now what does it cost? Well, when I tell you it's free, that's what it is. It's free. Anything that we offer on getting to know your Bible is yours at no cost. The Bible course, if you like to have a CD of one of the lessons that you hear on this telecast, there is no charge. We want you to have it because the interest that we have is that you get to know your Bible. Now, we're going to pause now so you can learn more about the course and so you can learn how to receive the course. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read now from Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now Matthew chapter 19 verses 13 and 14. Then little children were brought to him that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples 
rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. It is a long-held belief by many in the religious world that little children are born totally depraved in sin. It is further alleged that they are defiled in all faculties of body and soul. And it is claimed that all of this was inherited from Adam because of his sin. So we want to ask the question, are little children born sinners? First of all, I would say that this is contrary to the nature of sin to suggest that one is born a sinner. In 1 John, the third chapter, in verse 4, we have a biblical definition of sin. And there we learn that sin is the transgression of law. We sin when we transgress the law of God. And in James, the first chapter, verse 13 and following, James talks about the nature of sin, and he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires, not those of Adam or anyone else, but by his own desires, and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Sin is an act that one individual commits and as such is not inherited. You might recall over in the Old Testament in the book of Exodus chapter 20, Moses had been given the Ten Commandments upon Mount Sinai. And those Ten Commandments contain such things as thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not uh, commit adultery and the like. Well, you don't inherit stealing. You don't inherit being a false witness. You don't inherit being a covetous person. You don't inherit being a murderer. You don't inherit any of those kinds of things. Even temptation itself is not a sin. Why Jesus was tempted in all points, like as are we, yet without sin. He did not yield to the temptation. Sin becomes sin when we are tempted and we yield to that temptation. You see, the very nature of sin is contrary to the concept that we are born sinners. All become sinners now just like Adam did. 
through yielding to temptation. In Proverbs, the first chapter and verse number 10, Solomon said, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. We sin, according to that passage, by consent. We be tempted and we yield to that temptation. So the idea that children are born sinners is contrary to the very nature of sin. Adam was not created a sinner, and nor are we born sinners. You see, children are creatures of environment, and children are subject to all of the influences that are around them. They are subject to the temptations, the lack of knowledge and faith, all of those kinds of things. Children can be trained to do what is right. In Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, in verse 6, Solomon said, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Children have to be taught to do what is right. They're not born that way. They're not born uh, uh, sinners, and they have to be taught to do what is right. And if they're not taught to do what is right, by the environment they may find themselves in, they'll be taught to do what is wrong. That's why in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy the sixth chapter, Moses told the children of Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, and with all of thy soul, and with all of thy mind. The word which I commanded thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. They were to teach their children to do what is right. In the sixth chapter of Ephesians, the fathers are encouraged to, to bring their children up in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. But are children born sinners? Well, that's contrary to the biblical teaching about the origin of the soul. The soul of man came from God. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says that God formed man out of the dust of the ground breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, to say that a child inherited a defiled soul is to say that God is the source of defilement and sin. When we die, according to Solomon, in the 12th chapter of Ecclesiastes and verse 7, that the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns up back to God who gave it. God is the one who gave us that spirit. Now if it is born, if we're born with a defiled spirit, with a defiled soul, a sinful soul, then God would be the source of that defilement and the source of that sin. Friends, that's contrary to the teaching about the origin of the soul. Everything that we are and everything that we have is from God. It is in Him we live, move, and have our being. And we're taught in the 18th chapter of Ezekiel that the Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. You see, we have responsibility for ourselves. We do not inherit the sin of others. Then to say that children are born sinners is contrary to the nature of little children. 
We, God is not chalking up anything against little children. We read to you from Matthew chapter 18 verses 1 through 4 in the very beginning about the way that God sees little children. The way that Jesus sees little children. In Matthew the 19th chapter we read verses 13 and 14. The way that the Lord sees little children. If I could summarize those two references that we looked at earlier, it would be this, that little children are born without sin. Little children are born perfect in His sight. Or why did the Lord say that if we're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, we have to become like little children? When a child dies little baby dies, it is not lost, nor is it saved. It is safe in the arms of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is not composed of totally depraved sinners, but the kingdom of heaven is composed of those who are likened unto little children. So the nature of little children refutes the idea that children are born sinners. Then something else that that I want us to think about is the free moral agency of man. That's contrary to the idea that we're born totally depraved. You see, it's the soul that sins that will die. All of us are sinners. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and we've turned every man to his own way. And according to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, it is sin that separates a person from God. And so man is a free moral agent. Man has the ability, the capacity to obey or to disobey God. You see, we have the freedom of choice. I have often thought, that that we have very little control over our lives. We did not choose where to be born. We did not choose our parents. We did not choose the country in which we would be born. We did not choose the color of our skin. We, We did not choose our nationality. There's very little over which we have control in our lives. But the one thing over which we do have control is our will. And it's through our will, our volitional powers, that we can make choices in life. In the Old Testament, in Joshua, the 24th chapter, in verse 15, Joshua was about to leave God's people as their leader. And he said, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which were on the other side of the flood or the god of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But he said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. You see, you can choose whom you will obey. And to suggest we're born in sin takes away the freedom of choice. It destroys man's free moral 
agency. Man is held accountable for his own sins and not the sins of anyone else. He's not going to be held accountable for the sins of Adam or anyone else who's ever lived on the face of this earth. When I stand before God at last, according to Romans chapter 14 and verse 12, I will give an account of myself to God. It will be a personal accounting. And we have the ability to obey God or to disobey Him. Unfortunately, some people choose to disobey. Fortunately, some choose to obey. In uh, Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 8 and 9, listen to this. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all of them that obey him. If we want eternal salvation, we have to obey the Lord. And so man chooses to obey or to disobey God and to suggest man is born a sinner, little babies are born in sin, takes away the free moral agency of man. So that's contrary to this idea. But then the doctrine is also refuted by the fact that sinners are converted by the power of the gospel and not by an irresistible force or an irresistible feeling or an irresistible miracle. It doesn't happen that way. If we are converted to Jesus Christ, it is because we have been taught and because we have accepted and because we have become obedient to the powerful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's power in the book that I hold in my hand. Psalms 19 and 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. It takes the power of God's Word to convert men. In Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What is the power of God unto salvation? The gospel of Christ. And so it, this is where the power is. The power is not in the speaker. The power is not in the man. The power is in the gospel, the word of the living God. And there is a word that is to be preached to all people who have, are lost without Christ. That's the reason Jesus said in Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, people have to be taught to come to Christ. In John 6 and 45, Jesus said, They shall all be taught of God. Everyone therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. And in all cases of conversion in the Bible, the Word of God was always present. But the doctrine that children are born sinners is refuted by the fact that sinners are converted by the power of the gospel and not by some irresistible miracle. It is through the, in, the, the inspired world, 
word that brings salvation to the world. In 2 Peter 1 and 21, we're told that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And it's through this inspired, revealed word that salvation is made known to man. That is what we learn to do that we might be saved from our sins. We're not saved through something that's irresistible. We're not saved from our sins because we've had some unusual, uh, a better felt than told type of experience. If we're saved, it is because we've been taught. It is because we have learned, because we have believed, because we've accepted, because we have obeyed the Word of the living God. How does God speak to us today? Is God speaking to us today in some irresistible way? Is He speaking to us today in some way that is better felt than told? Listen to Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake unto the fathers in the past hath in these last days spoken unto us. How does God speak to man in these days? By His Son. He's not speaking to us in some dream at night. He's not speaking to us because we feel like we've got some warm feeling coming all over our body. He speaks to us through the Word of the living God. Listen to James chapter 1 and verse 18. Of His own will, He brought us forth by the Word of truth. Friends, it takes the word of truth to save sinners that we might be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. Now let me also read James 1 and verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. There's a lot of filthiness. Moral and spiritual filthiness in our world, isn't it? He says, lay aside all filthiness an overflow of wickedness. Doesn't it seem sometimes to you that, that the world's just overflowing with wickedness? So here he says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted what? Word, which is able to save your souls. And then in verse 22 he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. You see, people are saved. They are brought into a saving relationship with the Lord because they have been taught the gospel. They have been taught the truth of the gospel. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1. And I want you to notice verses 22 and 23 of this chapter. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. They purified their souls how? In obeying the truth. Souls are purified when they obey the truth. Through the Spirit and in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again. To, to obey the truth and to be born again are talking about the same thing. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible 
through the word of God which lives and abides forever. You see, if people are saved, it will not be through something that's better felt than told, something they can't explain. It will not be through some alleged miracle that occurred in their life. It will be because they have been taught, they have been taught the word of the living God. And I want to read a passage to you now from the book of 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and in verse 15. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Begotten through the gospel. Friends, we have to be taught what to do to be saved. In John the third chapter, Jesus was having a conversation with a man we know as Nicodemus. And, and Nicodemus in verse 2 said, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do the miracles that you're doing, lest God is with him. And listen to what Jesus says to him in verse 3. Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, listen to him now, verse 5, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of what? Of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. How important is it to be born again? Verse 7, you must be born again. I believe that there are passages in the New Testament that would be a commentary on John 3 and verse 5. I believe Mark 16, 16 is such a passage. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In order that we might be born of water and the Spirit, we as a believer in Jesus Christ, we repent of our sins, confess our faith in Christ, we are baptized into the Lord Jesus Christ that our sins be washed away. No little babies are not born sinners. They are born pure and clean and white as the new driven snow in the sight of God. And it is only through our exposure to life we come eventually to a point that we know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And that's when we become subjects to obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you know that you need to obey the gospel today. And may I encourage you to do that God loves you. He wants you to, to be saved. I want to urge you to give your life to Christ. I want to thank you for watching today. And in the closing seconds, let me mention the fact that you have a warm welcome to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And may I also encourage you to call for the Bible course right now. Thank you for watching today. Until we meet again. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 
3-6-5-8-0. Or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>